and welcome to the Noise Central podcast. Yeah. This is the podcast where we try to uh, speak from an apolitical perspective to have a reasonable conversation about uh, what narrative uh, the political fringes are kind of dominating the media with. Yeah, I'm Zach. I'm Wade. And uh, last week we covered uh, third-party candidates. That's right. And... Uh, Whatever else happened that week, I don't need to recap sure. it for you. You can yeah. go back. Um, it's now July nineteenth, and uh, you know, I it's been an interesting week. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, the the usual <laughs> loudness from the fringes. Uh, you mean noise? Yeah, the noise. Um, probably one of the biggest ones that I see pop up every day is the. Uh, Squad of four Democratic Congress mm-hmm. people versus Trump, and it's essentially just a name-calling match. Well, it's just a wedge issue. Yeah. It, it's literally trying to just uh, equate um, illegal immigrants to our to national representatives for different states mm-hmm. and uh, basically pit, you know, um, progressive Democrats against uh, Trump Republicans. Sure. Um uh, in an effort to cause, you know, and to 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 change, to change the narrative about things, you know, to in my mind, in my mind, to take um, the focus off of certain things, like Epstein. Sure. Uh, before blasting right into that, um, <laughs> it, it definitely does smack of a distraction. Mm-hmm. Both sides are coming at it kind of disingenuously. Like I, I think you could argue that uh, you know the president is attempting to get more of that immigration scare tactic business drumming mm-hmm. up before the election. Before the election, you know, yeah. About strong borders and law and order, and Democrats are naturally going to play into whatever the opposite end of that argument yeah. is. But uh, you know, for people who voted for Trump, who are concerned or threatened by immigration, this is perfect. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's equating current democratically elected uh, congress people mm-hmm. to immigrants that need to go back to where they came from because yeah. they're not real americans the thing that the thing that sucks about it is is depending on which way you lean you know it, let's say uh you know if you if you are in support of these four democratic candidates you know mm-hmm. and their right to be representatives who all of them all but three of them are actually born here yeah um no, no, all but one. No, that's correct. All three of four. Yes, three of four were born. I think here. I said it like three and weren't born here. <laughs> no, but only one is not born here. And she was yeah. naturalized. Yeah, and so. and so and, and it, it seems so. It's like there's two doors. You either they're making it. If you support these people, you support you know widespread immigration, mm-hmm. and if you don't support them, then you're completely against immigration. You know or you um you choose one side or the other there's no more kind of fiddling in between mm-hmm. the two choices it's it it's it's an it's an obvious wedge yeah and no no one's discussing uh you know historically what have we been doing about mm-hmm. immigration what worked what didn't mm-hmm. and why uh this has been coming up in elections time and time again and i really think what it's boiled down to is we're going to scare the white rural people yeah. And say, I'm anti-immigration, so vote for me. Or we're going to pander to the existing immigrant community and mm-hmm. say, I'm pro-immigration, so vote for me. It's it's really just about snatching up voters. No one's really talking about policy. 
Yeah. It's the same thing. The only thing policy is what? Build a wall? Yeah. That's the best they could come up with? It's yeah. the same way they talk about, oh, like middle class. We need to support middle class and middle class jobs, and yet no one has been doing that for 40 plus years. Yeah. And how? Yeah. It <laughs> should be the next question. Instead, we're going, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm middle class. I support this. I support immigration. We were all yeah. immigrants at some point. Yeah. Um, I mean, fuck it. So when did your family immigrate to America? Do you know? I'm reaching out about uh, one side of the family, but my mother's people came here in the early 1900s, like 1910, 12, okay. something around there. What about yours? That's very interesting. So uh, I don't know about my father's side. I only know my mother's side. Okay, same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother's side uh, immigrated from uh, Germany and Austria okay. um, through through Canada, actually. Um, they came into uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um and that was in 1904 is when they came over um thank goodness and uh it's it's interesting so so my great grandmother the only one that i met of she had three one sister and two brothers she had three siblings and i had only met um my great grandmother and she was also the youngest born in 1914 um and uh so yeah they came in through chicago and then ended up in la it's kind of funny what an interesting coincidence yeah. uh where'd you where'd your mother's family immigrate from uh from russia by really russia of, by way of germany oh so, okay so, so you're so the german is german, the... that might have been diluted in russia for a generation or two obviously huh. things weren't working out for them interesting they were farmers so Okay. You know, Russia didn't didn't have the uh, fertile land that the queen was advertising at that point, so they kind of tricked a lot of people into yeah into staking a claim out there. And what what what's interesting about them being farmers is that um, so the Great Immigration Wave that delivered forty million newcomers to the U.S. between eighteen thirty and nineteen forty was comprised largely of unskilled workers with minimal English language proficiency, and then. Uh, you know, for every third or fourth generation following that, every white ethnic family, there's a success story. But if you were to aggregate all of those initial um, immigrants, you would get um, little economic mobility in their own lifetimes. And uh, I, th- I think that's pretty pretty interesting because it seems that most people that did come over here were uh, wh- uh, blue collar laborers Mm -hmm. that was that was what you did and then your kids were able to have the benefit of being a citizen and go on to do greater things yeah get education yeah have the privileges yeah live somewhere uh safe and what's interesting all further is most jewish immigrants during that time period uh were were unskilled laborers at first and either spoke you know hebrew yiddish german or you know whatever the country they're from not english but moved on uh to be blue collar but be small business owners was kind of the main thing and going through my family story there my great grandmother who was born here you know um but her brothers who her brothers and sisters who weren't and their parents they um all i don't know what they did but i know my Great grandmother and her siblings started a clothing business, you know. So it's always some sort of, it was some sort of a textile business that a lot of Jews did, mm-hmm. or you know owned like a shop. 
and then their kids went on to do other things and go to school. Yeah. So it's just kind of you can see why people would want to come here even now. You know, and um in reading about what the immigrants look like in uh uh after like in, in like the mid twentieth century, you start to see that uh the immigrants start becoming more skilled mm-hmm. and more accustomed to city life. Um in an effort to you know, they don't need they don't need the uh access to America to be an unskilled laborer, they're ready to be a part of the city. Yeah. Do you think that has to do with the wars? Um, I think it does have to do with the wars, but I think it has more to do... Did I just Mott and Bailey that? Mm. No, by switching it around? Oh, no. You're no? Not. Okay. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with you on uh, anything yet. <laughs> I think it has more to do with... Um, the Lyndon Johnson 1965 uh, resolution to the 1924 law the, um, that eliminated the hard quotas on countries previously considered undesirable and ushered in a new era of ethnic, racial, and religious diversity. Yeah, which that uh, 1924 Immigration Act, if I recall, put more of a preference on Anglo-European immigrants. It was a quota-based system, so based on the current U.S. population, I think... Uh, they, they would have mm-hmm. that be reflected in the immigrants. So since it was a majority white country at that time, they were getting majority white mm-hmm. immigrants, and uh, it was pretty exclusionary for most Asian countries, if I remember. So the 1924 law um, basically closed the doors on immigrants from Southern and Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. So basically uh, Jews, Poles, Italians, Russians, Greeks, Serbs, and okay. other Southern and Eastern European ethnics. So it allowed immigration from... You know what you would want, maybe like the prototypical European countries, mm-hmm. uh, rather than the more Eastern. Mm-hmm. You know, and then um, and then, oh, fuck! I was gonna Google that. Um, what the San Francisco port? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's strange too. The uh, the effects of a lot of these laws, like after the nineteen twenty four law, that was instig. Uh, putting the quotas in, you saw an uptick in illegal immigration from countries that weren't being represented in those quotas. Mm -hmm. And um, I mentioned for the wars, you know, during World War II, obviously, a lot of refugees. And uh, after that, a lot of Cold War refugees. Oh, from like Russia? Um, let's see. Well, like Russian territories in the USSR. Like, I know Hungary had a huge influx at one point. Cuba, Vietnam, Cambodia. Like, any theater where we had a... A war. A proxy civil... Yeah, a Cold War situation. You know. Obviously. Angel Island. Oh, okay. I didn't find it, but that came to me. Sorry. No, that's all right. Please continue. Oh, no, just... uh, also, a lot of immigration from places where we had conflicts yes. basically trashed their world and to, and maybe, honestly, probably did some sort of weird, soft, you know, sale on Americans. Or It's a good place to go. Mm-hmm. And I think the way we always sold that sort of thing was, well, you see, they came here because they prefer our democratic capitalist way of life, mm-hmm. which I think possibly... If there were persecuted people that were not, you know, in favor of communism, but also if you're firebombing half the country, 
feeling like we might as well go to the place that's open you'll be safer over there that's where the bombs come from but none of them ever blow up there yeah yeah that's a that's a pretty good take safest place to be is behind uh you know the person Uh with the firepower yeah i think i think that's a a pretty pretty good take there yeah, I know. I, mean, I agree. It, it works both ways. I'm just yeah. saying the narrative that we would be sold, you know, yeah. in the you know history books for school kids is that you know it's better here. That's why they came. But you're kind of forgetting not only did we start wars in those territories, but if you look at most of Central and South America, mm-hmm. like the whole failed socialist experiment that occurs there has a lot to do with American intervention, like really dirty stuff, like assassination attempts, CIA, like paramilitary coups where we literally try to topple governments you know and this was all part of the cold war but mm-hmm. we didn't give those countries a fair chance to attempt socialism or communism like china's communists say what you want about them but you know they uh they stand on their own two legs on the world stage we do a lot of trade with them yeah wouldn't want to live there definitely wouldn't want to live but, there but yeah but to uh, you know that that insistence during the Cold War that we would not allow poor nations to attempt a system of government that wasn't favorable to our capitalist yeah. imperialist exploits. Uh, well, know. which has an in, inherent uh, effect of destabilizing those countries. Yeah, definitely. And in turn, as you'll as you see now with. The constant asylum seeking and you know uh, Im- tra- uh, attempted immigration from places you know take like Venezuela yeah they got that whole civil war going exactly. because there's like the <laughs> Russian guy that's in office that wants to do socialism mm-hmm. and it's failing and what I think uh, I think we're talking about selling weapons to to Colombia like they <laughs> they want to sell jets to Colombia because that's right next to Venezuela. And again, it's like, okay, you're looking at every problem like a nail and a hammer. Like, there's systemic issues within the government, the corruption, the failed policies, the lack of trade opportunities. Yeah. You're sending refugees And why, here. though? Yeah. You know, like... I don't know. Probably, you know, because we caused it. It's probably a lot of mismanagement. I know a lot of... Nice. Uh, you know, a lot of yeah. the time, but then you, you get the reverse. Like, okay, let's put a capitalist friendly like a lawman in there you know a dictator or something and then it never works you get horror stories where they're just yeah just silencing people and disappearing Mm -hmm. tens of thousands of citizens like to when you're when you give someone power who doesn't earn it then you know it it allows for ease of silencing dissidents Mm -hmm. Uh, not to derail the immigrant conversation no no yeah but uh you know, it, it, it doesn't work. I think you can look at these uh, tactics and say, okay, you're trying to control these forms of government so that you have favorable trade or, you know, exploitation with them. What if you create conditions that, uh, you know, just Im- improve the lives of everyone? I'm sure that it's possible to have favorable trade deals or, yeah, I don't know, like if you're giving aid to these countries but their governments are incredibly corrupt and you're secretly trying to topple them, like that's not really a good faith relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, we, we talk about that all the time. Like, you know, I, I minored in Spanish. Like I want to go visit Central and South America. But so badly. It's in such bad shape. Yeah. And I think... Uh, it's unsafe. I think our like Cold War bullshit and i mean fuck even before that like the you know colonial banana republic stuff Mm -hmm. we did a lot of selfish damage you think of like the british in india you know yeah oh yeah 
the Brit- colonialism was bad. Yeah, that that didn't that didn't seem to work very well. Mm-hmm. I find a lot of uh, I think we've talked about this before. A lot of world problems that are still happening today mm-hmm. are literal direct. Uh, they have direct causality to British colonialism. Yeah, like the Great Separation of Pakistan and India. Mm-hmm. The Balfour Declaration, where um, Israel became a state. You know, these are things that are still problems now caused by British colonialism. Yeah. And that's, again, to the point that uh, there's nothing wrong with new ideas. Our great-grandparents yeah. did not have all the answers. The founders, I mean, shit, yeah. they had no idea no one what does. this country was going to look like, you know, 200 years later. Mm-hmm. So it, you can try more than one of two things. What? I just wish that, you know, I mean, that's, I think that's the crux of a lot of what we're going to complain about on this podcast is that why are people so quick to fold into one of two camps? I don't think the majority of people actually think like that. It's easy. It's safe to be with people who reinforce your worldview, but uh, challenging yourself to have a conversation and try to meet in the middle, Mm -hmm. that's ultimately where the answer is going to be. I agree. I agree. To, uh, to bring it back to immigration. Yeah. So we had a lot of the European uh, immigration at the late 19th, early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Then you get the 1924, Calvin Coolidge signed the Johnson-Reed Act, which then closed the doors on our Eastern and Southern European immigrants. Mm-hmm. Then in 1965, uh, Lyndon Johnson um, approves the... Uh, Immigration and Immigration, yeah, of, of basically Jews, Poles, Italians, Russians, Greeks, and Serbs back, mm-hmm. which, which had been explicit targets of the 1924 law. And this 1965 Immigration and Nationality Act eliminates the hard quotas on the countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and in its first iteration, uh, the law privileged skilled and educated workers. And in its final iteration, it biased family unification. Children, spouses, and siblings of legal residents took precedence along with scientists, artists, professionals, and skilled manual workers. Yeah. What I find interesting is when you start thinking about, okay, so who immigrated, and this will bring it back to where we were at the beginning, who immigrated at the turn of the 20th century? Unskilled farmer, laborers, blue-collar people, mm. like my uh, ancestors and yours. Yeah. <laughs> um, they almost directly resemble the 2000s types of type of immigrants. Yeah. People who just want to get out and try for a better life for their kids or their kids' kids. Mm. You know, unskilled workers. So it seems the damn near backbone of this country, almost all of us, I mean, unless you were from nor- the, uh, the Northeast, you know, or the Deep yeah. South, uh, you know, that's who we were. You know, there weren't too many um, of those skilled workers that came through. Not to mention the uh, immigration of the uh, Jewish Iranians after the Iranian Revolution, which, again, is another America-created problem because we put the Shah in power. We supported the Shah, and that was the crux of what splintered (laughs) in Iran and... Then the Iranian Revolution happened, and the Ayatollah took power, uh, Ayatollah Khomeini. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, there was then an, an influx of Jewish Persians who came to California or wherever else. Um, Glendale, mostly. Yeah, no. <laughs> Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, you know, and then and then if you want to break it out further to a world, a, other country caused problems. All the Armenians in Glendale, mm-hmm. you know that that's an immigration, a massive influx of immigration. Basically, if you're Armenian, you live in Glendale. Like the largest population of Armenians that aren't in Armenia are in Glendale. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, it's it, it it's such an interesting microcosm of immigration. It, it it's almost like a uh, a Jewish ghetto in Italy, or a you know where all the Italians all lived in Brooklyn or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. But it's not because Glendale is so suburban consumer. Like it's a it's a nice uh, you know relative to the apartment I'm living in. Oh sure, it's like yeah, it's Glendale's nice, great. It's a nice place. <laughs> like, it reminds me of uh, you know like the commercial district of a suburb that you grew up in. Sure. Or maybe that's just because I only go there to visit the mall. The mall. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the infrastructure, you know, like the yeah. lights, the sidewalks, it's all very nice. What, um, so one of my old friends, his grandfather, um, built his house in Arcadia. And at the time, Arcadia was all dairy farms. Hmm. There were like no houses, no nothing. And, um, it's 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 kind of captivating that I, I imagine that for a long time most of the San Gabriel Valley was still kind of free and wild, mm-hmm. you know, not too many homes. It wasn't too structured, and then as more people came to the cities, then more people got pushed eastward, and then the infrastructure and the suburbs and the homes continued to go pretty much all the way to San Diego, and um, now. Southern California looks the way it does now. Hmm. Um, and to extrapolate further on current immigration trends, the San Gabriel Valley is all Asian American. Hmm. You know, I went to a high school that was like 98% Chinese. And they all kind of congregated in Arcadia for some time. Yeah. And so it's immigration is a really important thing. And if you do it right, you can have more people who pay taxes. Yeah. God that, damn it. That's definitely a point <laughs> I wanted to get to. Uh, you know, going off of your studies that, you know, second generation tend to be pretty, I don't know, pretty naturalized, pretty um, Americanized. Yeah. Like, Hollywood and baseball loving Americans. Yeah. Like I'm sure at your school, uh, you know, th- th- this is not like people who stood out like sore thumbs as immigrants. Like. No, they look and dress and talk like you would, you know, like like Americans because that's what we are. We're all immigrants. If you didn't know, if you didn't know names, and you put them on the telephone, you would have no idea. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you if you took people at, you know, I I was going to say face value, but like sound value. If you treated everyone equally, and just if you didn't have an ethnic name in front of you, yeah, you would be none the wiser. Exactly. It was, uh, and that and that I think is how you know you should. Probably treat everyone, yeah. regardless of even how they sound. So, what's the problem we're having now? Like, what what are the arguments about immigration? Like, clearly, it's it's a huge problem. Yeah, like, there's a bunch of destabilized uh, Central and South American communities that have people fleeing violence and coming here as refugees. So, uh, so why the sudden issue with the detention centers? Why sudden issue at the detention centers? Well, it's because Jeff Sessions in 2018 decided to say that anyone crossing the border illegally would be charged as a criminal offense instead of instead a civil of a civil offense. offense. This whole zero yeah. tolerance thing. 
So that is why it's not as if we've always been putting people in detention centers and now there's just 20 times as many immigrants mm-hmm. coming to the Yeah, country. you don't you don't go to jail if you're charged in a civil case. Yeah, there was a <laughs> conscious decision to imprison and treat, you know, treat every case as a criminal case just for crossing whether or mm-hmm. not they're seeking asylum, yeah. refugees looking for work or the rare occasion that they're just sneaking in here to be bad, mm-hmm. which and, is the exception. And it's because the narrative of uh Trump's campaign mm-hmm. is that they're, you know, bad hombres, they're rapers, stealers, drug you know they're they're the reason why there's drugs in america i imagine there's probably some sort of conspiracy that it's somehow related to the opioid crisis when we know that these companies are going down now because they Mm -hmm. willingly and knowingly you know proliferated their uh drugs upon middle america oh yeah pharmaceutical companies who lobbied to legalize Mm -hmm. becoming the biggest heroin dealers legal corporate heroin dealers Mm -hmm. in the country Mm -hmm. and uh, And that and that plays into the corporatocracy and the issues of of america yeah you know money out of policy oh but uh yeah so i so i guess that's a good observation that if you're going to ramp up this rhetoric uh and be afraid of immigrants, you know, in the name mm-hmm. of getting elected, and mm-hmm. then you create the conditions to put this detention center situation, you know, to make that a reality. You have the optics now, like, look, look at how overcrowded these centers are. There's too many people trying to get in the country. Yeah. So now you have a bargaining chip to negotiate a change in policy on your terms. Yeah, it's an it's an image game. Yeah. You know. Well, and the same thing, too, like when the Democratic, uh, before the debate, they were all going down to these detention centers in El Paso, and it's, I don't think that's good faith either. It, it, we need to talk about the problem and fix it, but we don't need to create these opportunities to score political points and optics. Like, that's the sure, frustrating part. But what if people didn't, what if people didn't know what it really looked like down there? I guess that that's my only qualm, is you need people showing the conditions. Yeah. Because once once they did start going down there, mm-hmm. and you, I started seeing the videos, that's like, oh fuck! No, I have no problem with journalists exposing. Yeah, it. it's, it's politicians. Oh yeah, yeah. To okay, like, totally. Look, I did a photo op. Like, okay, but yeah. like, we're all aware this is a problem. Okay, good for you. Thank you. Yeah. You know that in turn though is what caused that, you know, the progressive squad, you know, go home from Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, what Talib, uh, Presley. AOC and Ilhan Omar. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, they went down there and did this little tour for, you know, political cachet mm-hmm. and then caused this distraction. And also, uh, I think I came in complaining to you because it was <laughs> a big news story that morning when I came in that, uh, the whole passing a resolution to denounce, oh, to, yeah. to put on the record that you're saying, shame on you, Mr. President, for saying these racist things. Sure. He's been saying that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not saying it's okay. Yeah. or Okay, no. thanks. Get to work. It's, it's really, yes. That's it exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, so we're not talking about policy. Okay, so House Democrats voted for it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We're on board already. Yeah. So I didn't need it official. Furthermore, they're going on recess in a week. And oh, are they, they? they just wasted a whole work day deciding whether or not to say what he said was wrong. Sick. Or unbecoming. And, you know, uh, again, you, you got your, your fringes here. Like, 
I, I think most decent people would say, yeah, that was out of line. That's that's racist. That's ignorant. They are American citizens. You got to get over your optics on color and sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. But people who yeah. are just going to go along with anything the president says, or who, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't want to just say like, oh, well, you're being racist or sexist, but I don't think you're you're approaching the issue in good faith if you're going to support that kind of language. Like, presidents yes. didn't used to talk like that. Yes. Something's wrong in the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Another interesting point, this whole uh, going to the extremes, that you know, build a wall, law and order, or open borders, uh, something that, that they were talking about at the debate was free health care for undocumented immigrants. Okay, yes. Which, as someone who has not uh, favored from the ACA, I, I always pay attention when people get to talking about health care because that's something that I haven't consistently had my entire adult life. Like, yeah. I've always worked. I've made just enough to not get subsidies, but it's not exactly affordable as most middle class It's not. Not affordable at all. Yeah. Not at all. Like, I can't pay hundreds of dollars a month and then pay a $3,000 deductible on top of that if and when I need medical care. Yeah. Or run the risk of paying the penalty at the end of the year. I've just, I've been screwed by it. Like, I haven't had health insurance since yeah. its implementation. I've been penalized every year. I can't get it through my employer. I can't afford it monthly. It's like, it's sickening. So, when I hear them saying free, uh, you know, health care for undocumented immigrants, mm-hmm. it's not that I have a problem with immigrants. I'm just like, wait, free what? Free yeah. what? Like, what, about what about me? What about mine? Like, yeah. Costs are out of control. The middle class needs help. My family's like been here for 119 years. Yeah, ACA didn't fix it. Like, we still need to have that conversation yeah. before talking about the giveaways. And I probably brought this up last episode. Yeah. Like, let's not just talk about like you know free free everything for everyone. That's a pipe dream. Let's be practical. <coughs> I do think it's important the distinction and the caveat that you uh, highlighted there was. You're not anti-immigrants. No. You're just like, hey, we got problems we need to fix. Hmm. So maybe we, you know, address what's going on here before you start giving out giveaways. Yeah. You know. And that's the problem. So, people, and oh, go ahead. People don't have the patience to evaluate that. I I agree, and 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 they're just trying to score political points. It's not about helping the people. Hmm. Is that you know saying that is great, good for you. But what about America? Mm. You know, I'm all for it. But also, I want you to have health care. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> <and I laughs> what the fuck? As a, a, I don't know, reasonable center, probably center left, if I'm being honest, uh, mm-hmm. in my alignment, like, if someone like me hears that and says, whoa, wait, wait a minute, what? Then can you only imagine how with people the, all, to the With right the far right saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's just, in terms of... yeah. Being a practical policy, it, it won't work. You can't pass that. Yeah. That will not fly it's in like, this country. Like, it's it's as if you... So, you know, center, center left, right? And you got a little apple on your head. And the notion of the topic of, you know, Medicaid for immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being a hard-to-hit little apple, the right has a fucking papaya watermelon sized apple on top of your head that is super easy to hit you're literally teeing them up you know it's a fucking slam dunk this is an alley-oop baby when it comes down to you know trying to attack that policy it's simple you know and if and if we can pick it out 
then I think a lot of people can pick it out. Yeah. Yeah, I think people can recognize it. There's just, again, the accountability gap that you talk about this stuff. We go, mm-hmm. we got to fix immigration. We got to help middle class businesses and we got to help people become homeowners. And we get, okay, but you're not doing anything about it. You're just paying lip service. You're calling each other names. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you do come up with like a wall. Uh, I don't know. We'll just make it free for everyone. Like, yeah. Those aren't ideas, guys. They're not ideas and they're not fixes. And I think the reason why, and this is maybe a surprise to you, the reason why is because the money's still in politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you made it not, you know, if people just focused on fucking working for the people, it would be different. Instead, they're working for the corporate companies. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a corporatocracy. If you had term limits and you took the money out of politics, it would be a different story. Yeah. And I doubt people would be saying, you know, wall or free for everyone. Sure. You know, maybe we can come to it with a middle level headed answer. Yeah. And I know there is one. Well, I, I feel like we probably mentioned this in the last episode, and if not, uh, I'm sure we know, did. Le- legal legal workers are taxpayers. Exactly. Oh, that's, yeah. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, we need that. But like, just spending money to keep them in prison and uh, you know create this argument that no one's trying to solve. I mean, like like Reagan gave uh, you know amnesty to like three million people. Who were living illegally in the country? Reagan. Yeah. Wow. Well, the I had godfather no idea. of modern republicanism. Yeah. So having that discussion isn't. Uh, I don't know. That's not like crazy or lefty. It's just looking at a problem and trying to solve it. Do you want people living under the radar, not participating in their communities financially or with law enforcement? Mm-hmm. You know, that's how people get exploited. That's why you have all these, you know, coyotes and human traffickers. You know, stealing people's money because yeah. the the legal avenue has now been just bottlenecked into these detention centers. That's and that's if they go through like on land. Mm-hmm. I was I was saying to you before this. Okay, so cool. We're gonna build the wall. What about the seawall? Is the seawall next? Yeah, you just have to build a wall around the whole country. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. No problem. Yeah. You know how we might be able to get some um, some of that money to build that wall. Hmm making immigration easier and getting more tax-paying citizens. Hey. Then me, yeah, and then, like, maybe you wouldn't even need the wall. And you could use that money to, you know, infrastructure, schools. Yeah. Something nice. Yeah, it's just one of those problems that needs addressing, needs fixing, needs mm-hmm. a practical approach. But I think it's just too valuable. It's too valuable to the... Uh, far left and right to use as a as a means of just scoring points yeah right like there's yeah, a, both sides it's just a practical We're just scoring problem points. Yeah. like we need more resources devoted to it we need to allow people who want to work to work and rebuild the country's infrastructure and become taxpayers and then their kids are gonna but you know yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah act exactly. like the rest of us <laughs> like, yeah they're gonna be americans so yeah I don't know why like that shouldn't be a threat. I, I agree. I don't think we should keep <laughs> going around reiterating the the same thing. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You know, I mean, I almost just re, re-reiterated. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, 
I guess the, the takeaway is to just think about it. Don't be reactionary. Don't yes. go all in yes. on either side. Just recognize that this is what they're going to use leading up to the election and watch to see who's proposing plans, who has a practical solution. Yeah, solution instead of wedges. Yeah. You know, and I think I think that I agree is the main takeaway. Mm-hmm. There's a reiteration of your takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> Good takeaway. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead did you talk about the iran uh the tanker situation uh no but before we get there i would like to say um another thing that's happening this week the lion king's coming out the live action one. Oh uh, yeah don't care moving on <laughs> yeah i just the disney i saw them as cartoons uh, i'm done when i yeah. was a kid i think they were better sure the cast is great but i just yeah. i just don't care um I hear they don't emote very much either. That it's weird. Oh, weird. Because like the old Disney animation, you could be like, whoa, like really expressive like faces that show cartoons, emotion. Yeah. But yeah. When you're trying to make a real lion do that, like, yeah, it's like a cat with a human nose. Yeah, but cats barely emote anyway. Like Grumpy Cat. Yeah. He could do Grumpy. Now, do you think like human cats? And a musical would be able to emote properly if they had their human faces deep faked onto. Uh, you know, green screen, like digitally. Yeah, some like mocap. Created cat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I would. Definitely. Would you watch something like that? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, Halloween will be coming up shortly. It could use a good scare. One other thing uh, is the the debate, July thirtieth and July thirty first. The uh, rosters. Is that what I want to say? The people who are on each night, I guess is my point, came out. Mm-hmm. They oh, literally nice. did a drawing, like a live drawing. Okay. Because the, you know, ad revenue and shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get first night is Buttigieg, Steve Bullock, John Delaney, John Hickenlooper, Amy Klobuchar, Beto, Tim Ryan, Bernie, Warren, and again, Marion Williamson. Wow. Um, still in it. Which I think is really interesting that they're still... How's Marion Williams still in, still in it? Moving on. Oh, good. Go ahead. No, is this just night one? Or are they doing another? That's night one. Okay. Night two is Michael Bennett, Joe Biden, Cory Booker, which will probably be pretty good. And I th- uh, which also means Harris is on this night. Yeah. Julian Castro, Bill De Blasio, Tulsi Gabbard, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Jay Inslee, and Andrew Yang. So. So did they get rid of anyone from the previous debate? I don't think so, and I think they added people. Like, you know, because uh, I, I barely, I don't remember Steve Bullock. Hmm. Although some of those people were very forgettable. There's like a lot of night one yeah. people who barely said anything. Yeah. And so that should be fun. I can't wait. <laughs> I listened to Andrew Yang on Dave Rubin's podcast. All right. Any interesting points? Um, I mean, he basically ran through his UBI stuff and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's universal um, basic income. Yeah. And, uh. It was just interesting hearing him talk about it and the way he thought it was how he could do it. Mm-hmm. You know, because before you just get the sound bites and the memes of him online and like, I'm for universal basic income, and that's it. So it's nice to see or hear rather an explanation. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend listening to that, whether you like Dave Rubin or not. Yes, nice. is. Uh... Thought. 
The Rubin Report? Andrew Yang. Oh, is uh, is there any study going on for universal basic income that he's citing? I, I believe no. they've tried it in a few cities he, in the country. He didn't cite anything, but he did uh, explain how he thought it would go. <clears throat> he's saying the uh, number of people who are on some form of, medi- of uh, government assistance, mm-hmm. instead of getting a government assistance like SNAP or whatever, you would just get uh, universal basic income. And so, basically, if you're getting $700 in government aid, um, instead you would get $1,000 in UBI. So, really, it's only costing $300 more for that person right, rather than 1000 per person. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, I wish you had said that at the first debate. Right. Because that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I w- I'll, I'll send it to you. It's worth listening to. Okay, I'd be willing to give it a yeah. read. I'd... Yeah, Rubens, and he's definitely much more right. Mm-hmm. He's um, what he calls a classic liberal, which is a Republican. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. But like what it used to be, like yeah. Nixon Republican, like that kind of. Like, uh, uh, like, um... oh, God. Oh, my God, no. Four score, Lincoln. Yeah, goddamn, he was a Republican. Okay. But when you when you start reading like who classic liberals were, it's kind of along those lines. And so that those are illusions he draws. He's like, I'm like Lincoln, you know, but I'm also a classic liberal, and classic liberals are kind of Republicans because okay. it switched at yeah, a certain th- point. That's a real confusing kind of. Yeah, thing. and I think that's why he does it because he wants you to go, oh, liberal, and you click in and you're like, oh, hold on, he's a little bit more right and he's just trying to get his ideas out there and I think, mm-hmm. okay, good for you. But it's an interesting read. Listen. Yeah. So, also just one other uh, daily thing, weekly thing. Seems tensions in Iran are moving up. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Iran has seized a UAE tanker and a British tanker over the last couple of days. And uh, I don't have much else other than that. They announced that on their state-run TV in Iran. And, uh, you know, now people are saying, you know, we need to stop doing this, uh, for lack of a better term, pussyfooting around. And, you know, let's just send Trump in there and talk to him. Yeah. That's what some people are saying. So he kind of just pulled out of the nuclear deal without much... Uh education oh for sure and no plan just a decision to be antagonistic towards iran from the look of it yeah yeah and so now they're just gonna do the nuclear option and have trump try and do a kim jong-un with him Mm -hmm. with them i don't know yeah how can a man get along so well with certain governments just various governments with strong men, you know, whether they're dictators. Well, he's a crony, or not a crony, but a friend of, yeah, dictators, and not, you know, on Hello Merkel. But it's not like Iran is a, you know, Western democracy or anything. Yeah, it's a terror state. Within an amazing cultural fucking center. There's cool shit going on in Tehran. I want to go to Tehran so bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway. You know, if you ever see pictures from like the sixties, yeah, was, you know, so many places around the world resembled America in the sixties, yeah. and then I don't fucking nom Cold War shit. <coughs> yeah, it's too bad. Just really ruined it. We were on a good path there for a while. 
All right. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the Noise Central Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Wade. Thank you for listening. Yeah, and you can email us at noisecentralpod at gmail.com. Thank you.